our young people. God sure has blessed us. It's uh, something to see. And you got you have 20 young people up here on a Wednesday night. It's amazing. I thank the Lord for His goodness. Thank the Lord for His greatness to us as a, as a people. God has truly blessed this church beyond measure. I do want to make this announcement. Now, Sunday after our morning worship hour, we will be having our celebration dinner, uh, celebrating the, the salvation and baptism of, of uh, Hayden. And so we're looking forward to that as well, right after our Sunday morning service. So stick around and uh, bring, a, bring a covered dish and enjoy a time of fellowship and, and a time of celebration. Really, it is a time of celebration when you see uh, souls being saved by the grace of God and making that uh, public commitment, uh, not only before this church, but before everybody who saw up and down this road out here, the, the public example of what had already transpired in that young man's heart. And what a blessing it is to continue to see souls being saved by the grace of God. And we pray God will continue to do so in the very near future. And uh, I expect, by God's grace, that we will see others saved. That's what we're praying for. And that's all to be what you're praying for, God's true salvation Uh, to fall upon our young people, our teenagers, our young adults, and anyone else who does not know the Lord's their Savior. That's what we're we're praying for you tonight. As a matter of fact, I've had special prayer for you that are here this evening without the Lord Jesus Christ, praying that God will do a miracle in your life this evening. If you would, I'd like to go ahead and ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians in chapter 2. Galatians in chapter 2. Had a wonderful time in singing already. And I do pray that the Lord will bless in His Word now. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11 down through verse 21. What we have here is an opening statement of the Apostle Paul against Peter as he confronts Peter for his, what I would, what I would determine to be his bigotry, his uh, uh, dissimulation of the friendship and uh, the things that he had with other people until certain ones come around and he would begin to withdraw himself away from them. And we've all seen that in society. We've all had that to happen to us probably a time or two where people would would uh, be real real cordial with you, up front to you, and when somebody else come around, buddy, they would... They would hit the back corners trying to get away from you as quick as they could because they didn't want to be associated with you. And that's what Peter was doing here. And what we see is Paul had, had, had come to this place where, you know, more or less Paul had heard enough of what was going on. And he confronts Peter about it. And, you know, Paul, I'll be honest with you now, Paul was pretty rash a lot of times. So was Peter. And as you look at these two men's lives, they were much in the same, and yet uh, they both had their issues. They both had, just like all of us do, there's none of us perfect. And we all have different things, different little quirks that maybe uh, agitate us from time to time or about other people. But Paul confronts Peter about this. And I want you to look at what it, what it, what, how, how it all unfolds. The Bible says in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 2, and again, this is our seventh lesson in the book and study of Galatians. 
As we look at these epistles, I want you to think about this and I want you to, I want you to think about what's being said here. The Bible says in verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him face to the face, because he was to blame. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas, who was, who was Paul's partner, also was carried away with dissimulation. In other words, uh, a lot of hypocrisy was going on here. And that's what can happen. That's the reason I said, you know, you got to be careful with the pitfalls of, of uh, picking and choosing who you want to be around and associate with. You got to be careful about the pitfalls that come with it because sometimes it'll turn around and bite you. It'll, it'll get you in the end. And that's what we see here even with Barnabas. I mean, Barnabas was a man who, who uh, as we see here, uh, he, he sided with Peter. He, he, was, he, was, he was also in, in, in this uh, little episode of, of kind of being a little bit hypocritical in his friendship with others. And the Bible says in verse 14, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, according to the truth of the gospel. Now this is what makes the difference. Listen, what does the Bible say? I mean, that right there is our rule of thumb. Right there is our, this is what we associate our, our thinking on. What does God's word say? And Paul says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And again, you got to go back to what is being taken place here. You know, at the very beginning, there was, there was this thing that if you wasn't circumcised, uh, you could not be saved, you could not be a Christian, you could not, uh, you could not have the same comforts of salvation and so these are the things that the law required, but yet the law does not save you. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. In verse 17 the Bible says, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? He says, God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, the law... And grace, grace over, over uh, uh, rules the law as, you, as you're dealing with salvation. The law is good. Now don't get me wrong. The law is there for our good. The law was put in place to cause us to recognize our sin. So these are things that are necessary in life. I mean, 
I, you know, we don't live according to the law of the Jews, but yet the law is that which gives us a good life. He says, for if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. For I, though the, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And folks, that's the very crutch of the works for salvation thing. Listen, if, if works can save you, why did Christ die to begin with? If works was able to, to cancel out your sin, as many today and many different faiths believe, why did Christ have to die? After all, if works is what saved you, why would Christ put himself through the torment and anguish of death and his father turn his back on him at Calvary? Why would he do that? Because works will not save. I don't care how, how good a person you are. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care how many times that you have, you have counted the rosary or whatever it is that they do. Listen, works will not save. There's only one thing that will save you. That's faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's the grace of the Almighty God that brings salvation. And Paul is simply stating to Peter, listen, it was by the grace of God that we ourselves have been saved and not by the works of the law. It was the grace of God that brought about our salvation. So tonight, that's what we're going to be covering. I pray God will bless His Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before Your throne again, we thank You. We praise You for the opportunity. Lord, to once again be in this house with thy people. Lord, I thank you for the blessed privilege of being the pastor of this great body. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us this evening. I pray that you'll open up your word to our minds and our thoughts and our hearts. Lord, bless us tonight. I pray for the lost souls around that you would cause us, dear God, to live the life in front of them that they would cause, it would put a cause, a, a desire for them Lord, to, to know more about Thee, I pray that our light will shine brightly. I pray, dear God, there will be no hypocrisy in our love for one another. Just bless us, and Lord, forgive us our sin. In Jesus Christ's name, and amen. The division which caused discord is what I'm going to be speaking on tonight. Emmanuel, our, our lesson tonight will reveal the hidden dangers of bigotry and dissimulation of others while looking favorably upon one's own blessings and those not of oneself, but by God's amazing grace in His blessed hand. The danger lies within the pride of man's heart. And that's what Peter was exampling here in this moment. He had a little bit of pride in his heart. He was of the Jewish nation and therefore when others came around, he did not want to be associated with the sinful dog Gentile, is what they used to call them. They were like dogs, and, and, that's, what, and that's what they associated the Gentile to be, an old sinner dog. And he didn't want to be associated with them while other Jewish uh, leaders or what have you were in the mix. So 
this is where pride begins to creep in. And, and there's a feeling of, uh, you know, someone being better than others while in certain company. And that's all what you might call the simulation or the, the example of bigotry. So first of all tonight, as we look at this, I want you to notice how, how Paul began to open up with this and deal with this situation. Sometimes it's a touchy subject, I'm here to tell you. Sometimes when you've got to confront sin, it can be, it can be a, an issue that, that is a, a, a touchy in a, in a way, but yet it's something that has to be dealt with. And Paul done it the right way, I believe. He didn't go behind Peter's back. He didn't try to stab Peter in the back. He didn't get Peter, uh, Peter's friends off to the side and began to disclaim Peter. He just simply came to Peter to the face, the Bible says. He spoke to him face to face. And it says here in verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood to the face because he was to blame. Now Paul did not go behind the back of Peter and backstab him. He did not try to first break down Peter's reputation behind his back. He simply withstood him face to face because he was to blame. A good way to stop contention, first of all, is to stop it in its tracks if it's all possible. In Matthew chapter 5, if you'll go back there for just a moment, it takes us back to a, a, a point in time where as you look at this, this, great, this great lesson on the mount, I want you to think about what it says in verse 21 uh, uh, down through verse 26 here. The Bible says this, and this is teaching how to, how to deal with our anger. You know, like I said, Paul, Paul could have got, he, he was a man that could get very angry very quick. Peter was another man who could get angry real quick. And we saw that when Jesus Christ was arrested. I mean, he took out his sword and he began to, to, uh, to slice and cut men's ears off and, and what have you, but uh, that's the rashness of Peter. Peter's quick to say things, and, and when he should have probably been a little bit quieter. We've all been there. I've been there, and you know, I've, I've paid the price for those things. But as you look at verse 21, down through verse 26 of Matthew 5, uh, the teaching uh, on the mount, I want you to look at this now. You have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, Listen to this now. This has to do with church fellowship. This has to do with you and I here tonight. And listen, this is what splits a lot of churches. You get this little argument going on over here against somebody over here, and before long, if it's, if it's allowed to fester, it's just like a, it's just like a bad apple in a barrel of apples or or my proverbial old rotten tater. I'll tell you what, there's nothing no worse stinking than a rotten potato. And you reach down in there and you get a big old 
you look at that big old t- potato. I'm trying to say it right. Potato. And you get that big potato out of there and you give it a little firm grip to see how solid it is and it goes poof. Blows up in your face and that stuff squirts all over you. You know what? That's some of the worst stench I've ever had in my life. One thing I hate is in the springtime getting into the, getting into the uh, uh, potato bin where I'm getting ready to sow, uh, plant my potatoes and reaching down in there and grabbing one of them old nasty potatoes that's already rotted. You know what happens around it? Everything right around it has also begun to rot. You see, that's how church stress begins to erupt into some terribleness. This is how things begin to to explode into a, 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 a rowing stench. Listen, it's like a cancer. Once it begins, if you don't get it out, listen, it's going to continue till it takes the whole body. And that's the same thing that we're dealing with here. Listen, you got to confront. You got to confront uh, uh, problems head on. You got to try to put a stop to it as quick as you can because it can destroy a church. And as I look at Paul's statements here, and I look at how he done it, I, I understand that Paul was Paul was trying to get to the very root of the problem, the very crutch of the problem, at the very moment with the very with the very problem instigator himself would be in Peter. He said, listen, we've got to put a stop to this. This is something that's going to hurt all of our reputations. This is something that's going to destroy uh, the light that we're trying to put forth here. And that's what we see in churches today. We see people that, uh, that have anger problems. They have issues with somebody in the church and it is allowed to continue on. And before you know it, you know, maybe there's a whole row of people, man, they, they just can't stand you. You know what happened? It was allowed to go on too long. And folks, that's what we're dealing with here. The Bible says here, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there, leave there thy gift. Listen, it's not talking to the man that's offended. It's talking to you who has offended. It says, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Listen, I believe that's one thing Paul was trying to get to here. We've got to get this thing settled. We've got to take care of this issue because, listen, when you're, when you're looking at your, your Gentile friends over here at one moment and then when somebody comes around and, and you, you hightail them and get it out of there, that makes, them, that makes them feel bad. That makes them feel less, uh, less needful. Less needful. You know what? The Bible says there are those that are the less comely or those that God is going to use in a great and mighty way. Angel, agree with thy adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into the prison. Verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the other most farthing. You know... This word ought, it actually means anyone, anything, or whatsoever. Whatsoever the problem is, listen, you've got to take care of it. Get it dealt with. So according to God's word, if we're willing to communicate, we can stop a lot of contention early in the crisis. 
The key is working toward a solution to the issue. Listen, that's what I believe Paul was trying to do here. Now secondly, I want you to look at verse 12 of our text back in Galatians in chapter 2. In verse 12, the Bible says, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So here we see the root of the Apostle Paul's anger. It was pure bigotry. Playing favorites. Being of divided loyalty. And only showing favor in certain eyes if somebody or something that can cause great harm and even destroy connections gained before. In Romans chapter 12, Romans in chapter 12, the Bible states here in verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. I want to stop right there for just a moment. This word dissimulation, it's a word that means hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. If you say you love me, listen, love me. Don't tell me you love me, then behind my back do things to hurt me. That's what this verse is all about. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Now, as we look at these words, God's word is strong on how we are to treat not just one another, but also others around us. When one begins the evilness of bigotry or being two-faced, reputations and t- intentions can be damaged. In Romans 12, 16, we're right here close. The Bible says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Listen. You think about some of the things that we're looking at here and you have to wonder, you know, how church splits begin. Church splits begin with just things simple as this. Just simple little things. Church splits can begin and the person that began it may not even know it. It's just that somebody else has took offense and nobody said anything about it. That's where the Bible takes us back to Matthew chapter 5 where it says, if thy brother have aught against thee, listen, you find out about that, you need to go make things right. If thy brother have something against you, you need to find out what it is. If it's biblical, listen, explain your biblical view. But listen, if it's something that's temporal or, or something that is, is not necessarily against God's word, listen, let's fix it. Let's take care of it because that'll, that'll stop a lot of trouble. As a matter of fact, in the first 13 verses of Romans 15, it talks about a lot of this. And I pray tonight that God will direct our minds and our hearts there. In Philippians in chapter 2, you can write that one down. In Philippians in chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, Therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... Folks, if you're saved by the grace of God, that means you have fellowship with the Spirit. You know that fellowship with the Spirit ought to be fellowship with one another as well. Listen, that's what makes a difference in a church. 
In my opinion, that's what makes a difference in this church is the fellowship, the love, the camaraderie, the, 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 the brotherhood. When you're in this prayer room, you've got 12 to, to 13 men in there praying for the brotherhood. Listen, there's some real things going to happen in this house. If you've got men in there praying for the salvation of all these young people, listen, it's not going to be long. God's going to begin to save souls. And listen, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be praying for lost souls. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Bible says, wise is that one who is the soul winner. In the book of Proverbs, that's one of the, that's a, that's a great, and a soul winner. You know what a soul winner is? Somebody that just tells somebody about Jesus. You know what can happen there? That soul could be saved. Not by your power, but by God's power and the gospel. That makes a difference there. But as I look at this, this, this word here, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, that's where I believe Peter went wrong. Peter was looking at his education. Peter was looking at his upbringing. Peter was looking at all the things that he could loud and applaud. All the accolades that he had in his life. And listen, Paul had accolades. But listen, I want you to know something. That when those accolades began to turn other people away from you, that's, that's allowing your liberty to take offense to others. That's where it becomes wrong for you. Listen, your background, your upbringing, your education, your blessings, guess where they came from? They came from God. They didn't come from us. There's not one man in this house who can pull up his bootstraps by himself and think he's the one that done it. God helps you, gives you strength to bend over and pull up your bootstraps. God gave you the strength to get out there and move your back to where you can work and make an honest living. Listen, that's God's work. That's God's power over the human body. God's grace gives us all those things. So what do we have to lift ourselves up about? Listen, it's God that done it all for us. God gave us knowledge. Some of us ain't got a whole lot of it, but listen, God gave me what I got. And I'm thankful for what I got. But notice this. As we look at these things here, Peter was using that as a cloak. He was leaning on that. And it was all, it was all good as long as the wrong people or the right people in his eyes didn't come around. But as soon as they came around, what happened? He began to withdraw himself from his old friends, from those Gentiles, from those who were less than he was. He didn't want to be associated with them no more. You know what that does? It causes a bad light. It causes a bad light on a church. Listen, a church that will not open herself up to a community, a church that will not uh, go and, and visit in the community, maybe just because some... Listen, them people are bad people. <clears throat> You know what them people need? They need Jesus. Amen. Amen. They need the Lord. That's what they need. Listen, I've seen some bad people. I've had, you remember the, the night that I took the young man over here on, on the other end of Laurel, Red Hot. That boy had in his mind to do something to me that night. And all I could do was pray. I knew something was about to happen. I pulled in that old place where you know what happened over there. 
I pulled in there and I began to talk to him. I began to talk to him about the Lord. Because I knew what he was going to do with me over there. That money we took up for him that night where I was going to go buy him some, some fuel and stuff like that and some food. He didn't want that fuel or food. He wanted that money. But you know, the more I talked to that young man, the quieter he became. And we sat there for about 20 minutes and I said, okay, you ready to go to town? He went over to get a a fuel can. He didn't want no fuel can. He just wanted something to eat when we got through. I tell you, you know what that boy needed though? He needed the Lord. He needed needed salvation. That's what he needed. Was I in a dangerous place? Yeah, I probably was. I've been in dangerous places before. (laughs) Me and... Me and Brother John Smith was on visitation one time and, and come upon something that I thought, man, remember. <clears throat> but you know what those people need? They need the Lord. That's what those Gentiles needed. They just needed the Lord. Peter was there for a while. Peter was there. He was, he was being a friend to him, but when... When somebody else come around, he didn't want to be associated with them, so he up and left. You know what that done? That could, that, could, that, could, that could put a whole different light upon the church. Folks, people out there need the Lord. They may be, they may be, uh, they may be downright out rascals. They, they, may be after, they may be after more than, than your time. They may be after your wallet. They may be after your, your life. They may be just wanting to uh, uh, just get some dope or whatever it is, but listen, what they need is the Lord. Today, this, what society needs, they don't need another program. We've got all kinds of programs. What they need is the Lord. And how are they going to get the Lord if we don't take Him to Him? How are they going to hear the gospel if the church does not reach Him with it? Folks, that's the importance of it. Don't turn your back on anybody in this community. We've got people in this community that need the Lord. Right here, we need, we got people. I've been up here three times already. Listen, I want you to know something. Them people need the Lord. Everybody in this holler, everybody in this valley needs the Lord that's not saved by the grace of God. You got some good people. I mean, what I call, humanly speaking, not what the Bible calls good, but, you know, humanly speaking, we've got some people that are really nice. And they're a pleasure to visit. They're a pleasure to be around. But they're not saved. You know what? They need the Lord. They need to be saved by the grace of God. And they're not going to get saved until they hear the gospel. So what's the church's responsibility? Go spread the gospel. Matthew chapter 28 gives the authority. God, Jesus Christ gave the authority to the church. His church. His kind of church. There's only one church that has authority. And it's His kind of church. It's the same church that still preaches the same doctrines that Jesus Christ and the apostles preached in the first church all the way to this church today. And I believe it's still the Baptist church. I still believe that and I'll never, I'll never recant that. But I want you to think about that for a little while now. Looking down on others while in the presence of different people will damage the work that's already been performed by others are the work performed by your own labors. It can and will cause a chain reaction. In Galatians in chapter 2 again in verse 13 and 14, we're going to come to a close here in just a moment. The old voice is about to go anyhow. 
In verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, Another of the Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live after the Jews? Listen. We need to remember that. And I pray that God will open our minds to these things. Now lastly, I want you to think about this. I want you to notice how Paul reestablished salvation by faith and not by works. He says in verse 16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now what Paul was saying here, listen Peter, you cannot expect these Gentiles to follow after the law and be saved. You cannot expect that. You cannot put that upon them because they are saved. And that's what he's trying to say here. Listen, they're saved just as we are. They are not, they're not, uh, you, you can't expect them to uphold the law to keep their salvation or to get their salvation. So, God has only one way of salvation, amen? But by the faith of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For by faith, listen, the faith that you have been saved through was not even yours. God gave that to you to help you to believe in Jesus Christ. So that's what he's saying here. Titus 3, 1 through 8, talks about the fact that we're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. Listen, but by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved by the grace of God. Romans 3, 21 through 31 talks about the very fact and Romans 3, 19 and 20 talks about that fact that salvation is of the Lord. Amen? Salvation's of the Lord. Tonight, if you're here and you're lost, let me say something. Salvation's of the Lord. In John chapter 6, in verse 44, the Bible says, No man can come unto the Father. No man can come unto me except he be drawn by the Father. Now, have you been considering salvation today? Maybe you've been considering salvation throughout this last week. Maybe the last, maybe it's been the last month or two. Maybe it's been longer than that. Maybe salvation has been one of those things that's been in the back of your mind. You've thought about it. You've contemplated it. Listen, not as King Agrippa. King Agrippa was made guilty over the gospel. He was made guilty over the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about the fact that they trembled. But listen, I want to see more than trembling. I want to see you drawn unto a Savior. Amen. I want to see you drawn by God to Jesus. In other words, I want to see you to be in a place that in the back of your mind, Jesus is always there. That's what I want to see. Because that tells me that the Father's drawing you unto Himself. 
As a matter of fact, in John chapter 6 and verse 63, the Bible speaks about the Spirit of God, how, how the Spirit of God is, is He that quickeneth. Listen, I want you to know something. What it means to be quickened is to be made alive to the fact that you need a Savior. Listen, if you're in this house tonight and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are in need of a Savior, has the Holy Spirit already been speaking to your heart? There's only one reason why you would need to know that you are in need. That's because the Spirit has quickened you. That's because the Spirit has worked on your heart. That's the work of God as He draws you unto Himself. Listen, come to Him tonight. Come to Him tonight. Are you being drawn unto Jesus Christ and the salvation which He alone has purchased? Have you ever been contemplating this salvation? Is your attention even now upon coming to Jesus for salvation? Then come to Him tonight. The Father may be even now drawing you unto Himself. Come to Him tonight. Listen. Peter's word to the Gentiles was, come unto Him. That's what Paul's word is to all those that he have wrote to. Come to Jesus tonight. If Jesus has spoke to your, if the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart, Come unto Him this evening. Be saved by the grace of God. Listen, find your home in heaven. Today's the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. You know, tomorrow, you say, well, I'm going to wait till XX day. I just want, I just want to wait to make sure that uh, I've done all my living I want to do. Listen, your living may end tonight. You never know. The rich young farmer, what did, what did he say? You know, he started bragging about all that he'd done and all he had and all he had gained and all those things. God said, Thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all these things be? Folks, you're not promised tomorrow. What if, what if, Tonight never comes for you. What if death is waiting outside that door? It could be. Well, death could be in this house. Who knows? Are you ready? Has the Lord compelled your heart to come to Jesus tonight? Come to Him tonight. Be saved by the grace of God. Let's all stand, please.